Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Musician, actor and downright lovely guy Max Beasley is my guest this week and he's the most brilliant storyteller ever. We talk about his incredible list of musical geniuses that he's worked with, including Take That, Stevie Wonder and the best story ever about being on stage with James Brown. How he started acting thanks to Robert De Niro and about working with Guy Ritchie. His friendship with Ray Winston, being Jamie Winston's godfather, and he talks so fondly about his great friend Jason Statham. We discuss his upcoming drama with Keely Hawes, The Midwich Cuckoo, and he chats about living the dream in LA and about how important kindness, friendship, and loyalty are in his life. He's one of the good guys. Please, can I ask you a favor? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Lovely, Maxton. Oh, lovely. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Let's just get the embarrassing thing over and done with, shall we? Have we made love? What's happened? No, what? no, no. I uh, very Last time I saw you, actually it was a really long time ago, but last time I saw you, um, you were with Ray Winston yeah. and we were all in a club in London and oh, God. I was still drinking and I went straight up. Um, Ray came up and said, uh, Gabby, I'm Ray Winston. And I laughed and went, yeah, I know you are. And then, and he said, do you know uh, Maxton? And I said, yes, I always yeah. fancied him. And then Great. he looked at me and you said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. And I've just got to put it out there at the beginning <laughs> because we're both happily married. <laughs> and and that night you kept saying to me, no, but why didn't Robbie tell me? And I said, well, I don't suppose I told Robbie. It was the most showbiz night, the most embarrassing showbiz night. So there we are. It's out. It's gone. Hey, it's there. I tell you what, I'll take that every day of the week. What a lovely compliment. Where were we? Because my brain, when I was drinking, of course, uh, that's now battered all my brain cells. Where were we? It was the Century Club. I think it's the only time I've ever been there. I think that must be the only time I've ever been in as well. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, how lovely. What a lovely little... <gasps> 
treat for me. No, to but do. then also you got very, you got quite anxious because I kept saying that you were, when you were younger, you were a redhead. Oh, yeah. You were, oh, weren't yeah. you? Um, maybe, yeah. Would I have got like a bit freaky about when you say anxious, are you being polite? Was I an arsehole? Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, you weren't you actually. There you you weren't. I have to tell you, no matter what, that, and I know we'll, we'll go through all, all the stuff, but you were always dead polite. Anyway, listen, you, Mr. Actor, Hollywood, movie star, film star, TV star, happily married, daddy. Wow, wow, wow. Two little girls. Oh, That's what it's all about. Is it the best thing? Of course it is. I heard you one that I heard your um, podcast last night with uh, Rob and I went, hold on, four kids? What? I didn't yeah. even know he had four kids. Don't be silly. Amazing. No, didn't. didn't no Do you idea, not see each other? No, not very much, unfortunately. I mean, I think I last, ha- I last time I spoke to him was about mm, eight months ago. He flies emails in occasionally what's happening where are you because he's in switzerland isn't he and um but but the four eat the four children i was like hold on a second when did he have his fourth child he will let they keep popping them out but you know what um that i mean i think i always associate you with rob because um i've known rob since he was 16 and i Hmm. all the take that stuff and you were always the you were there you were the drummer you were the percussionist Hmm. you you were Rob's mate, in my eyes, that's how I always see you. So I think it's quite because you're. I, I'm really surprised you two aren't in touch. You're very similar. You're very. Yeah. You're, you're gentlemen, actually, both of you. Well, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, we are. There's definitely similar nuances in them. When uh, he he was actually <clears throat> twelve years old when his mother brought him to um, the Alma Lodge, I think it was in Stockport. And I was playing with a band called uh, Shades of Kenton. It was a big band. And he said to his mum, I want to I wanna do that. Because he'd seen a young kid on stage. I mean, I was 14 at the time, but I was doing a big bang and, and that was it. And then about four years later, I uh, rather, no, five years, I met them in Wales for their first ever sort of um, arena stadium tour. And we were rehearsing in Wales and I met Gary and all the, all the lads, but Rob, I felt a kinship to. You know what I mean? There was something quite similar with him. And and yeah, and then we lost... There were years where we didn't speak and then we got back in touch in 2001 and then that... I mean, I lived with him for three years in LA. He was very... He looked after me in LA, you know, you know which was great. Uh, I had nowhere to stay when I first went out there, but no, I love him dearly. You, But you do remind me of one another. There is that thing about... Your dads actually are quite similar... Souls yeah, as well. Pete, Pete I love dad, his dad. Yeah. What a good, what a good man. Lovely man, a lovely man. But we're not here to talk about Robbie. We're here to talk about you. Right, so let's go. Y- you are the most extraordinary musician, and I think when we'll we'll come to the acting in a moment because you've just done so much. But but musician wise, and you just you re- I know you released mu- recently. You released music again, but you can play. Every instrument, can't you? How did that, where did that come from? Well, it's interesting you you mentioned that because um, yesterday we were talking about this and we were, we were talking about, you know, how we strive to achieve a certain level of um, excellence on your instrument and, 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 and suffering from perfection, which is something that up until about three years ago, I suffered from that, you know, being a perfectionist and Ultimately, obviously, we both know there's no perfection, so you're always disappointed. But um, when I was younger, I was a naturally 
I say gifted, it sounds awful, but I was a naturally gifted um, pianist and drummer. Um, and I lived in South Manchester in Burnage. And my parents were like, when he's 11, he's going to have to go to Burnage Grammar School. And that was not a great option in, in those days. It was a very rough school, you know. But there also happened to be one of the best musical conservatoires in the country, in Manchester, in Cheatham School of Music. And they had the, the the foresight to say, let's get him on piano lessons at seven. Let's get him going because at 11, we need him to get into that music school. And um, that's what happened. And um, I wasn't good enough e at 11 and I was quite proficient um, to get a scholarship there as a pianist. But I did get a scholarship as a chorister. And um, at 13, they re-audition you. And if you, when your voice breaks, if you're good enough on your musical instrument, they'll give you, they'll, you can continue your education there until you're 18. If not, unfortunately, you have to leave, you know. But there were kids there at 10 and 11 playing Messian, playing, you know, phenomenal musicianship. Anyway, I, I got a scholarship as a chorister and then I re-auditioned as a percussionist and a tune percussionist. And um, I remember thinking, all the percussionists here, they, they're not really revered, you know what I mean? Then People look at them as just, they play timps or a bit of snare drum. Let's start playing Paganini violin concertos on the marimba. Let's um, let's do a little bit of a bark flute sonata on the vibraphone and let's, you know, up the impression of what people think this percussion department is. Anyway, I got a scholarship and then, yeah, percussion, drums, um, vibraphone and um, that's that's kind of what I focused on for the rest of my, my life and then um, decided to be very good at all of them rather than excellent at one of them. Do you know what that has? It's very interesting because you say perfectionist, and there's there's something about watching you when you when I've seen you backstage or been backstage and watching you on the drums or d doing the percussion, you are so focused, and you're like that about your acting as well. And it's yeah. interesting you say up until three years ago. So what what changed for you not to be that that perfectionist anymore? I think that just getting older. Um, also, I stopped. Uh, drinking about eight years ago and of course when you when you stop drinking and, and, and self-medicating with alcohol the brain all of a sudden oh, you, it, there's an influx of thoughts everything you have to sit with them you can't you can't escape anything you know so I think through sitting with the brain working through things um, having clarity in the mind um, I saw that that goal that I was trying to achieve, you're always trying to get better and better and better and better. And ultimately, you'll never reach, ever, you'll never reach the heights that you perceive that you want to be at, you know. So it's more comfortable to be your own judge and jury and go, I'd like to attain a certain level, which is great. And that will do. And and, and and I'm not on about, you know, mediocrity. I'm on about still high, high, the upper excellence of, 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 of your craft. Uh, but going, we're not robots, you know, we, we're human. And um, so, and that gave me an immense amount of freedom, uh, actually, and, and, and made things relax. And, and my life in general became a lot more relaxed, you know. And also, I think having children, my, my first daughter is eight in September, and she sort of changed everything, really. I mean, everything became about the kids and you're not self-obsessed. But it's really interesting because all... If I, you know, when I think of you, apart from I just think you're utterly charming, but, but you are incredibly focused. And then 
all the stuff I've read about you doing, uh, you're a method actor, and that is about mm. focus. That's about being there. I mean, it, I think more than any other musician I've seen, seen on stage, you're, you're so in the moment that it's sort of quite compelling to watch. I remember being backstage at a, a, a huge charity event that we all did at Hyde Park, and I can't remember what it was for, and I was hosting it bizarrely with Ronan Keating. And you were on stage, but with somebody, I can't remember who it was. And he was the one that said, my goodness, look at, look, you didn't, you didn't say my goodness, but hey, let's just keep it polite. He was going, look at Max. (laughs) And I was just, we were both, you were, I've never seen somebody that focused. And you, and is that what the method acting is all about as well, is being that focused? I'm not saying perfectionist now, I'm saying focused. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's bulletproof focus and the t- attention to um, what you're doing and being in the moment. And the music complements the acting beautifully. And and you're right, you know, on some of the gigs, I do remember some of the early gigs. With the, I remember one in particular with the brand new heavies and I we went on stage and um, I can't remember where it was now, but I can't remember the two hour gig. Uh, it just flew by in about two seconds, but I do remember feeling like I was floating out over the audience when I was playing. I mean, it's amazing when, when because you know there's things that that happen. First of all, that you create, you have a job, and you know that if you're playing a percussion rig, there are specific parts of the song where you'll hit a different instrument. You're playing congas, then you're playing timbales, bongos, whatever, bridges, chorus. It's all different. So you've got you've got the arrangement in your head, you've got the groove in your head, and you've also got a click track in your head. So you're playing bang on. And, but then you have the organic feel of the whole band and that, that time shifts a little bit, but it sits right in the pocket. And then if it's really grooving and everybody's on the same nuance, then you're lifted, you're elevated. And it really is like Concord going through the, just the cloud, breaking through that first cloud and before it reaches supersonic speed and you're just floating, man. And that was what the gigs are. And I managed somehow to... When I started acting and studying, I'd reached a really good level as a musician, as a session musician, but it was that perfectionist thing again. I wanted to be challenged and acting was it for me because I kind of didn't know anything about it. So I had to go to New York. I had to study. I wanted to learn. And and actually now when I'm at work, um, yeah, I am. Some of my friends, (laughs) um, Jason Fleming's like, you Max, you suck. Jesus Christ, you're not not present. You're not present in the room, mate. Well, come on, let's have a vibe. And and you put too much work into it. You put, too, and I'm like, Jay, I'm sorry, I can't help it, mate, because it's on camera for hundred years, mate. It's just my, the way I work. You know what I mean? I'm quite boring on set. You know, I'm quite quiet. Um, not after. I'll have fun and in between, <laughs> and you know things like that. But I love it. I love it. I love, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be working. And I'm, and I, and I, and I want to, I want to do really good work. You know, so I'm, I'm very, very lucky with with that. And and like I say, the music complements the acting perfectly, and vice versa, actually. Some of the people that you've done music with, with oh my, what I mean, Stevie Wonder and. Mm. I mean, you mentioned brand new heavies and obviously take that and things, but so many more as well. Mm, I started at 18 with Weller. That was amazing. That was, um, he was just beautiful with me. And we did, um, we went on tour. That was great. And then we did Wildwood. That was a terrific album. And then, and ironically, you know, about two years ago, I, I called Paul back up and I said, I, I remember playing on, Moon to Moon on Your Pajamas, it's called Moon on Your Pajamas. It was a song that he wrote for his boy Nat, 
and um, I said, I've written a song for my daughter, a song for Sabrina. I said, Paul, would you sing it? And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, well, let's have a listen. And I sent it him, and he said, um, it's really nice. Um, there's a, have you got the chorus lyrics yet? And I said, no. He said, I like everything else. Um, can I put, can I have a go at something? And, I'm, <laughs> and I think he's like one of our best lyricists in the country, you know. And I said, yeah. And then he put something on. And then the next minute we're in Capitol Studios and um, mixing his vocal in the Frank Sinatra chamber. There were chambers in the floor at Capitol Studios in Los Angeles. And his vocal on it is absolutely beautiful. And I love him. But I started with him and then, yeah, I had a list of 20 artists that I wanted to work with before I, before I died. And I think I'd done 18 of them by the time I was 24. So, yeah. What? So... Yeah, I'd done 18 of them. Michael Jackson and Prince were the last two, and they died, so I couldn't work with them. 18 by the time you were 24, and you yeah. had a list of 20. I mean, that's yeah. pretty unbelievable. There's not I many know. people in the world that can say that, that they have a dream and they've ticked most of them off. Very fortunate. I was very lucky. Best yet? Who? Okay, apart from Paul, you just mentioned Paul. You say he's the greatest lyricist, but who else? Who's one of those people that you just, that, those pinch me moments? I'm going to ask you that as, as well about acting, but but we're, we're sticking with music for a sec. Best front man, uh, Mr. Brown, James Brown. Oh, and, God, you played with him as well. Wow. Yeah, and then the best musician in presence is Stevie Wonder, no doubt. That, they're, the two, they're the two governors. So right, we had, um, I remember James Brown uh, being on The Big Breakfast, and oh, wow. Chris and I, and he performed in the garden at the Big Breakfast. And oh, that was wow. one of the times that Chris and I, we, was, we found ourselves live on air sort of hitting each other's faces. Because, you know, when your jaws drop and you just think, Unbelievable. what has just happened? What, what have we just witnessed? I got an email saying, Mr. Brown, because you got to call him Mr. Brown. There's no James, there's no baseball caps, <laughs> um, there's no swearing. I mean, it's, it's a regimented regime, you know. But I got a call saying, uh, an email saying, Mr. Brown wants you to play piano with him at the, the Roundhouse on a live TV show from this chap, Super Frank. Uh, so I just replied and went, yep, great, sounds great. I, I thought it's a total wind up. <laughs> and then the next email, <laughs> yeah, the, the next email came in saying, these are the tracks, Georgia on your mind, Prisoner of Love and It's Magic. And I went, sounds brilliant. Uh, and then the next email came in saying, George is normally in G, but, you know, he's older now, so it's going to be E flat. And I went, ooh, hold on, this this now sounds legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, I was actually filming, I was filming near the Grove, I was staying at the Grove in Hertfordshire, and, and, and there was a piano down there. I got the music and started practicing for a couple of days. And a friend of mine had... Um, at the time, he was on. He was in jail. On, he was in remand on uh, uh, in jail on remand, and um, that day he got released. Uh, he got uh, not found not guilty of this specific thing, and I said, "Come down, come down, come down." Um, that that Mr. James Brown wants me to play with him, so he came down and we got here. And I went, "I'm not going to do it. I'm too nervous." And he went, "Yeah, you are. We're both going, man. I've been in a cell for two years. We're going." So, oh my so, word. <laughs> Yeah, so we get to the gig and we I pull up and I see James come out of the bus with the Cuban heels on, the hat, the leather jacket, and all the all the band come out of the bus outside the roundhouse, and I'm like, "What, Jesus!" It was freaking me out. <laughs> and um, 
I was overqualified. I could do the part. I could play the the, the the tune, but it was just there was just something there with him. And anyway, I walked up to the stage uh, with my little briefcase with my music in it. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm like a forty year old man at this thirty eight year old man at this point, you know. But I was still very very nervous. And um, I said, "Hello, uh, Mr. Brown. I'm, I'm Max, and I'm I'm here to play with you." Um, this evening, I think I'm playing piano on on, on some of these tracks. And he just he just looked at me, smiled, and uh, he just went, "We're gonna have a little fun right here." Oh that's all he said. God. We're gonna have a little fun right here. <laughs> that's, that's all he said. I've and got goosebumps. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna have a little fun right here. And I went, "Okay," and I, I sat down and started playing with him. And he goes, uh, "Drop it down, drop it down." So now I'm in a different key. Drop it down. It drop it down again. I'm going, oh, Jesus. I'm trying to transpose in my head as I'm playing with him. This is rehearsal. And then we get to the main gig. Sorry to go on about this. because it was No, a no, no. I've it's never, fantastic. Go, go, well, go. I've, I've never told this story, but it's a, it's a, it was a phenomenal night. And then we get to the evening. I get my suit on and because I want to look mint for him. I want to look right for him, you know. And they say, come into the dressing room. Mr. Brown wants to see you. I sit, I walk in. And he's got a beautiful petrol blue uh, silk suit on. And he's sitting with his feet up with one of the backing vocalists that became his wife uh, massaging his feet. And he's just looking at me, smiling. And I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm literally in the room for 10 minutes to, to, to saying nothing and uh, <laughs> looking at him. And then the hair's being done and he's, you know. And then we get up and walk out of his dressing room and all the bands stand in line and they're all there immaculately dressed and he's inspecting everybody and he walks past everybody gets the, the golden seal the band go on and he very cleverly used to have the band warm up the crowd for about 10 minutes before he comes on James that was the vibe 10 minutes and we stood at the back of the stage and I started grooving a bit you know and I just saw him tap his wife's leg and point at me like look at the kid enjoying himself you know it was amazing and then he goes on and then he does he introduces me proper showbiz he's like you know <gasps> one of my one of my great friends a terrific actor musician welcome max beasley boom i walk on and you're gonna die i walk on and he goes max and it's just me and him spotlight on him spotlight on my hands piano boom and i start playing georgia the intro and he starts singing prisoner of love and i go no yeah and it's live broadcast live telly i've never no. froze in my life with anyone no. and i go i look at him and his beads of sweat are dropping down off his forehead and i went oh no i can't i don't know how to rectify it and i stopped playing <laughs> i put my hands on my lap and i just sat there and froze and it was horrific no. and he went <laughs> When a man plays with his idol, he could sometimes get a little confused. Now we're going to hit it again. And he filled in for me. And so I've changed the music and I've got Prisoner of Love. And I play that intro. And then he goes, Georgia. No, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and I went, for fuck's sake. But this time, instant kicked in. And I went, and and I and I, I rectified it and I started blowing with him, and he then after the first chorus he just goes and and then where's King where's Drab by where's Montgomery so the guitarist comes in then the drummer kicks in, and then he just looked at me and he goes hit it, 
so, so solo basically so i do a chorus thinking jesus just got around those changes great hit it again boom i'm doing it again he made me solo for about seven choruses he roasted me <gasps> because i'd for, oh, because i'd messed up no doubt about it oh my god but yeah there you go it was an amazing story sorry to waffle on about no! it no that is the story to end all stories i feel like we should just end it there <laughs> I, I'm, mm. I'm cringing for you, but also, th- th- what an incredible night. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Okay, from there, let's go to the acting. It just feels yeah, sure. absolutely the right place. So, yeah. <laughs> how do you follow that? So, how did the acting start then? Because you say that the music led to the acting and you went to New York, but did, did you literally just wake up one morning and go, okay, I'm going to be an actor? Um, I was in Manchester in Love and Jew with my dad, and my dad said, there's a great movie on tonight, I want you to watch it. I said, okay. I watch it, it's Raging Bull, De Niro, and at the end of the movie, I go, wow, I, I've got empathy for that character, and he is an asshole. I said, um, for Jake LaMotta, and I said, that's that's at De Niro's craft, what an amazing craftsman. Look at all those levels that he's putting with that guy, that's unbelievable, what a level, again, a level of perfection that you're looking at, you know. And I went, I know somebody that has had a bit of a, bit of a vibe with De Niro um, in the early days. I'm going to call her and find out who a good acting coach is and I'm going to go and be an actor. You're kidding me. And I was playing at the... No, and I was in Manchester. It was raining. It was like a Monday night and I I was playing. I'd recorded that week with George Benson in London and I'd played live with George uh, Michael in Berlin. So musically, things were were fantastic. And um, I found this girl that I knew and I said, um, you need to find out of De Niro, who are great coaches in New York. And she called back next day. She said, this sorry, is who Sorry, sorry, sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you called somebody who called Robert De Niro and yes. said, where should I try? I mean, yes. if you're going to go and get... Uh, you go okay. straight, to the, straight to the source, straight to the source. <laughs> and um, she, I said, you need to call uh, him and find out who's a great coach. And she called back and she went... This is who he suggests. This is who he used on his movie, A Bronx Tale. And um, uh, it's a woman called Sheila Gray in New York. And I went, brilliant. Now, this is Tuesday. And I wait till it's like, you know, seven o'clock. I phone Sheila in New York. I say, hi, Sheila. I'm wondering if you've, you've got taken any students. I'd like to come over, workshop, and, and maybe, you know, take some tuition. And she said, yeah. How about tomorrow at 6 p.m.? I went, okay. And she said, what, what are you doing in New York? I said, yeah, because I, I was—I didn't know whether I could get in a class. I didn't know what the deal was. I didn't know, you know. So, and she said, "What are you doing in New York?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm—I'm I'm doing a little. I'm doing some theatre. Really? What theatre?" I said, um, "The Seagull, Chekhov. I don't know where the bleeding hell that came from." But I went. She said, "Where? Whereabouts?" I kind of know all of the theatres in. <laughs> And I said, I can't, I've got to go, Sheila. I'm so sorry. I've got to go, but I will see you tomorrow. Because I was fannying, because I didn't think, I didn't know whether she'd bring, let me get into the class or not. Anyway, next day, I flew to New York. And um, that night, I was in New York in the class with her. And I walked in and went, wow, I haven't got a clue of what this is. And it was brilliant, because I thought I sort of had a good idea about how to act in you know what i mean but uh and that started the relationship and then um, her methods that she taught me to this day 
right at the moment I'm using them. I, I use, they're just instinct, instinctive. And in fact, when I did, I did a, a thing called The Outsider two years ago in, in, in Atlanta. No, where were we? Yeah, we were in Atlanta. And it was such a in-depth, pressure, high-pressured gig. I went, I'm going to call Sheila and actually do some work with her on the, on the Skype. And we worked on it. And the same for this job that I'm doing now. We work on it. And um, I think you should always, you know, sharpen your tools, you know. So, yeah, that's how I started. Raging Bull. Good God. <laughs> okay, I didn't... Uh, your stories, you're a great raconteur. I mean, you just need a one-man show, to be honest, and you, these stories. So, okay, so you've got... You're, you're with Sheila. You start mm. your uh, method training. And for anybody that doesn't know, we're, we're saying that as, it, you know, we've got to be careful because obviously people don't know. But that's about really you become that person all the time, don't you? you they are you. You are one not quite not quite what what really is is you use sense memory and uh personal you personalize stuff and visualization but you also most importantly uh turn it on and off on the set because unfortunately i think i think it's got a bad sort of name method acting it's not really that well understood but it is it is using itself you know finding nuances in the script that you can relate to and if you can do direct choices where you can remember, you know, experiences in your past and use them in the scene and they're correct for the scene, great. And if not, substitutions, sense memory, smells, places, times, you know, people and turning it on and off during during the day at work and then forgetting about it at night. You know, you've got to forget about it when you go go home, um, which takes takes practice because you can get imbued with the sense of what you're playing. You know, you've got to. That's very important to be because if you're playing a psychotic serial killer, you don't you don't want to be in that twenty four hours a day. You know. No, yeah, that's the understatement. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, you don't. But but that I, I remember when when we did it at um, GSA when they were doing method with everybody and everybody sort of the sense memory and bursting mm. into tears and then leaving mm. the class and being, you know, feeling shattered for days. And the teacher always saying, that's not what we want. That's mm. not about being shattered for days. You've got to use the sense memory. But but I sort of get the feeling that you do that now, that you would do, sorry, that you were doing that before, even though you weren't aware that you were doing it. So it feels like a completely natural match. Maybe it's a good point. Maybe, and also when I look at all my influences, they all are out of that school. They're all out of the Strasbourg school. You know, they're they're more. I mean, I do like some of the greats uh, that we've had in the UK, uh, Burton, Hopkins. Um, but 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 most of my influences are like Hackman, um, Lancaster. You know, the older uh, and and they're they're all American. They're all American trained, and there's something. That swings with that, if you know what I mean. It's like there's something that swings and it gels nicely with that for me. Um, but yeah, I love it. I, I've, I've, it's preparation prevents piss poor performance, and I prep my ass off on every job. You know what I mean? So you go, you, you know, yeah. I, I can, I can hear it in you. So of all, I mean, I remember everybody got such a surprise when Tom Jones. I remember it when you did that, and mm. it was. It's very funny because when. When you did it, I think weirdly I saw you near that, and I, I think everyone was going, "Oh, Max, we didn't know you could act like that. Oh, you're fantastic! Oh my god!" And you just went, "This is what I'm supposed to do. This is absolutely this is this is me now." As if it wasn't 
a surprise to you? And now all of the things that, you know, as you say, the Outsiders, which was huge, and um, the bodies, and we go to Hotel Babylon, so we're all over the place from the UK. Now you're working with Keeley, which we're going to talk about. The, the, mm. my most, mm. the, the most terrifying film I ever saw, ever in my life, is the one you're working on. So we're going to leave that to the end because I, I had mm. nightmares about it. Um, but but uh, all of the things you've done in the States here, just... Uh, this you're you are a really great actor now as well and you just feel that you're i just feel that you found what you were always looking for is that a bit heavy no no i think maybe a bit of both i think that i think it's great to still do some music you know i was recording only this week um for, you know and, and i think they i did a guy Ritchie movie in february right i've not seen guy for 22 years and um Jason was on it, Statham as well, who I haven't seen properly for quite a while. Um, Hugh Grant and an American actress called Aubrey Plaza. And Guy said to me, he's quite an interesting man, Guy. In fact, he's an incredibly interesting man. And um, I watched an interview with Guy before I went out to do the movie. And I was like, bloody hell, he's really, wow. I mean, we all change, don't we? So we, we develop and we learn things and life, life's experiences. But I went, he's really saying some poignant things here. This is fantastic. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to go and do the job. And he said to me, you know, because I said, Guy, you directing the, the beer, the brewery, um, the barbecues that you've you've created and he went well yeah that then we've got the, the outdoor living thing and, and he's listed about eight things i went how on earth are you juggling all that he said you've got to always uh, be creative in, in different realms if it's just a one nuanced dynamic it's no good and he said it's the same with actors if you you know you really have to and he said you're lucky because you've got the music and you write and and you know and and i think he's right so i it's good to do both but it, the acting does feel very very natural for me i i i do love it um because it's like a 12 hour gig you're doing a show for 12 hours on set each day and it's that it's that moment when you're filming and you know that is it, it what they're capturing that's going to be on something for 100 years it's got to be right you you really want to do your best work you know i can hear you smiling when you hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You have the most um, eclectic mix of friends. I mean, you know, Jason, you're saying Jason Statham. There's something, I, I met him very, very briefly at something yeah. and I completely mm. fell for him. I thought, what a sweetie. He wasn't no, what I am. Oh, what a sweet lad. Actually, I should get him on this because I think everybody gets a completely wrong idea of Jason. So we'll get, we'll try and get him on this podcast. He's lovely, right? lovely man. Yeah, really sweet. But but also Ray. I know you know Ray very oh, well. Yeah. And yeah. you um and and you're saying Guy Ritchie. But you have this incredible eclectic mix of friends. And what looking at social media, what I love is that you still seem to be friendly with all of these people. You're all very. Real. I mean, I, I absolutely adore Ray, I, I, and I love Jamie as well. Jamie's my quote goddaughter. Oh, is she? Like, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, he's like, no, what you've come up with it, it ain't me. And I went, well, we sort of sort of agreed on it one <laughs> night when we were both drunk. He's like, no, no, I'm in charge. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but he's he's amazing. Ray's like, twelve years ago, I wrote a script which might be getting made next year, right? And oh Ray, my god, for 12, congratulations! Yeah. For, Thank you. Twelve for twelve years, Ray's always been makes whenever he's going on there, and I'm like, you're a diamond. He's just a hundred percent very loyal. And and then in answer to what you were saying, I think that one thing you do get with us um, Beasleys is um, if 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 you're a, if you're a friend, that is it. We're very very loyal, you know, uh, for life. And I think there's something in that. There's not enough of that in the world anymore, you know. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm very. I've got some of my. One of my best mates is still in Manchester that I speak to every week. If I've known him 50 years, and I thought I said it to my dad the other day, that's a 50 era, 40 years, 38. I think the I think Ray's the, the shortest amount of time I've known someone, which is 30 years. So wow, yeah, that's about it. And then you do meet new people, don't you? And and you you yeah you, yeah yeah you weigh it up and and then you go, oh, they're lovely nuance. They're very nice. I can see they've got a nice heart and they're kind. Yes, please. That that's great. You know. I'm going back to how I started this by saying I think you're a gent and that comes back and you're saying loyalty and I think that's all part of the the importance and the respect. You have tremendous, I've, I've seen you show unbelievable respect towards people and I think that's another, th actually you did that. Um, I know this isn't going out for a little while but, but you know, when the football happened and the, all the racism, uh, the mm. horrific, abhorrent things that happened on mm. the streets in the UK, um, mm. And the racism, and you, you again, you spoke out, and I, I applaud you for that, and I, you know, I wish more people would, and I think what you said was absolutely apt because you care, you do care. Well, I think you know, social media is it's, it's strange, isn't it? I, 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 I went on social media years ago to try and promote. I was, I was, I was trying to get a, a snowboarding. Um, brand going with a with a friend of mine and i was like okay i guess i'll sign up what is it instagram yep and we'll put a t-shirt and whatever then you get imbued with this sense of itself and and it's a, it's a nightmare really it's just a constant affirmation isn't it instagram if you really think about it why am i posting this and you go mm, no i'll leave that you know there's plenty of times i've done that this is just for affirmation really i don't need to do it but then you do as well but if you if something disturbs you and is in and and you have a view on it and 
is a great tool to use and I never ever 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 really get involved in politics or anything like that on on that platform but that morning when I I woke up and and saw those news um, headlines I was like oh no oh no I've got to say I've got to say something you know so it can be useful for things like that and helping people that are poorly and that are ill and you know awareness about different things so but ultimately it's a it's a it's a, it's a nest of vipers isn't it all the yeah, social it's just, media is awful it's spread spread the joy that's all i'm about i just think it's really important to spread the joy Let, let's yeah. talk about what you're doing with uh keely midwich cuckoos i have to say i it's the only thing in my life that if i think back to, i can remember a nightmare i had as a child because some a friend of mine played it or their parents were watching it or something and i was about 10 or 11 what I've were you watching never... village of the damned oh, oh my yeah. god yeah, those yeah. blonde children in black and white i wasn't that it was on and i remember walking in and i was freaked out and then as a then when i was older i read the midwich cuckoos because I just, oh, what a book. Oh, for, I mean, it, and you, now you're working with lovely Keely. She's another one. She, you know, she's got her production company. She does all of her different things. She's keeping her creative juices going. She's a good girl. I really like I love Keely. Her. Love her. Really good girl. Send her my love. Please send her my love. I will do. But, will. Um, but oh, Midwich Cookers at last. It might be take away my nightmares from the village of the damned. Well, I'm not sure about that. It's oh. quite scary. Um <laughs> And what I think what makes it more more terrifying than not is the the the, um, the adaptation is written by David Farr, who um, did uh, wrote the Night Manager, which was terrific. Love I thought, that, yeah, yeah. And he, if you read the book now, you know it's nineteen fifty seven. I think I can't remember, but he he's modernised it obviously, um, and rather than the take being, I think the networks were like, yeah, we it's not. You, you told me if we're not having this you told me weirdness and and shot all weird and it's very organic very rootsy very real drum, drum, like a drama that you watch and it's very real very very real so when these uh, the children are born alien and, children yeah nuances start kicking in where you go hold on they've got like hive hub type behavior going on here this is very very strange it also becomes incredibly unsettling and then um, I tell you, it's. I was thinking before about work that you do and work that you're proud of, and and, and, and most of the time it's it's good writing, good writing, and 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 someone says to me, bodies was great, um, you're really good in that, and I'm like, it's down the writing because as actors you should be able to do anything really, uh, but if you've got great scripts, then people think the work's great, you know, and this is. I only said to Keely the other day. I said, yes. I love it because I'm going home exhausted. I'm taxed as an actor on this. You know, it's really taxing um, multiple levels, all on subtle, multiple nuances, you know, all very subtle. And it's so, it's a really hard job, but it's so exciting. And and, and I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really, really excited. She's beautiful. I love working with Keely as well. It's Sky, isn't it? They're, they're, they are churning out some incredible things. Yeah, they're banging out really good dramas. And I've worked with Sky numerous times now for Mad Dogs, for Jamestown, um, something else. Jamestown, I, I see. I thought that yeah. was super. Yeah, that was great. And But they're, but they're great, Sky, because they go, boom, 
here you go, here you go, be creative. And then when it's all done and we're all we're all happy, we're gonna hammer the promotion. And um, th- so people are aware of the product, you know, which is brilliant. When is this coming out? Do you know? When will yeah, we it's have June. To it? Should be June of next year. Yeah, should be June of next year. But it's very exciting, and you will love it, I'm sure. Um, but it it won't be. It's going to be quite terrifying. But you'll be all right. Okay, thank you. I trust you. I'll I come around and watch it with you. I'll come around and watch fine. it with you. Um, so, yeah. right, let's go to living in America. What's it like living in this? Is it is it the Holly? Are you living the Hollywood dream that we all imagine? I know you said you lived with Rob all those years ago for a few years, but but now you're married, your beautiful wife, and I love the story about you two. You were oh, on yeah. blind date, and and mm. she was her friend. Yeah, yeah. That, I'll have that one then, please. Not you. I'll have that one, please. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> so right. cute. But now with the with your two girls living in in oh. America, is it is it as we all dream it should be? No, 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 no. It's not. I mean, it's you know, you've got you've got beautiful weather. Right, that's the first thing. Yeah, that's then the bit. You, I, that's the bit I want. I, that's the bit yeah, I, I mean that's quite a large part of your existence. You've got a beautiful weather system. You've got the PCH uh, one, and you've got that coastline all the way up Mont- to Monterey. Oh, is oh. absolutely beautiful. But then you've also got the mortgage, the school bills, um, the health insurance. Uh, you know, you've got <laughs> the normal, the normal pressures of being a, a parent with a wife and two children that depend on you, you know, and our business is so volatile and certainly out in America, it's, it's incredibly volatile. There's half a million actors live in Los Angeles, you know, um, so it's difficult. And, uh, I love, and my children are Californian babies, you know, they're very, very, very LA, the two kids. Um, and they love the the ocean and they love that and they like, you know, and I, I, I genuinely am like, I said to my wife the other night, she's like, we got, we got to move from LA, you know, it's, we've got to move somewhere. And we were talking about Oregon or she's from Minnesota. And I went, well, I don't think I can do that, darling. It's minus 40 at Christmas. I just, it's going to be freezing. But we are thinking about quality of life and why are we in Los Angeles? And an enormous amount of people are moving out of LA now. Um, and because of the pandemic and, 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 you know, one doesn't have to get into a room with producers anymore. It's, you mm. know, you can literally. So I'm not sure. It is, by the way, it's, don't get me wrong. I wake up, I look at the garden, the flowers, the, the, the mountain ranges around the back because we're at the top of Mulholland so we can see the sun in those oh, mountains. Oh, my word. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And I love that space because um, it's, it's good for the mind. And there is the routine there, you know, her, the schools for Sabrina and then Bella's just started a new preschool. And it's what you, it's, it's, it's nice, but it's a high-octane pressure. It's like yeah. there's a jet, jet hose firing on you all day long to go you got to earn you've got to earn you've got to earn if you're going to keep 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 up a lifestyle that's very interesting i I find i'm years and years ago when they offered me a a deal to to live there um and to do a show there and i said no because i actually for, for a whole bunch of reasons but but mainly because i couldn't bear it when somebody says Hey, how are you? And you, and if you said, actually, I'm not good today, they go, great, have a good day. Nobody, yeah. I felt that they didn't care, and it was on to the next one, on to the next one. And yeah. Yeah. that, I found, I found the people, I love the Brits there because they sort of stuck together, and I like 
some of the people who were from outside of LA, but some of the people in LA and that business, ooh. Well, that's great that you would say not great today because 99% of people out there wouldn't say that. And, and a lot of the Brits out there won't say that. It's like, yeah, I'm busy, I'm filming this, I'm doing that. And, it, and I just go, it's sometimes in my, my last 20 years, I go, I'm on my ass. I'm, I'm not working. It's really difficult. And they're like, what? Really? Yeah. And and I think that, um, you know, when I first went to Los Angeles, I, I was I came from a very privileged position in, in the UK where I was working constantly. And then I got out there and I think I remember the first audition I did was for Nurse Jackie with um, Edie Falco. And I walked into the room and my mouth nearly hit the floor. There were 30 men in um, white coats uh, with the stethoscopes because it was the role of a doctor. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, surely this isn't going to be it. And one year I did 65 auditions and about <gasps> 15 tests and I didn't get one job, you know. Um, so it's wow. difficult. It's yeah. turned around it's, since since um, the, the outsider... He's turned around a little bit, which is great. And now, now I'm working in the States or here and I've got a couple of terrific things next year, which I'm excited about. And that's brilliant. But one mustn't ever forget the salad days, I call them, you know, um, where you are on your ass a little bit. Um, and it, it makes you very, very grateful when you're working, you know. You're a good lad. I'm going to say it again. You really are a good lad. <laughs> um, OK, so I ask everybody in this podcast what makes you properly belly laugh. And I've, I've seen you piss yourself laughing um uh <laughs> and mm. i can think of that's probably that same evening that we were all drunk now we don't drink anymore we'll we can still laugh and probably far healthier um mm. but but what makes you probably belly laugh there's a couple of different types belly laugh uh it would have been um freddie star and my dad and Freddie and my dad both went on on the road at the same time. And Freddie used to use a lot of my dad's act, actually. And, really? Um, yeah, <laughs> but but very, very, very funny. Uh, intellectually laugh my arse off um, Coogan with uh, Partridge. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's genius, genius work, just genius work. Uh, I And um, I also used to like... Um, um, but, but by the way, Gabby, this is an interesting question because... Other than that, I really don't laugh that much. <laughs> I'm quite really? miserable. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but I, n I, nothing like someone will go, check this comedian out. He's fantastic. Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, the only guy I've seen recently is a guy called Sebastian, is it Menescalo or Mescalano? He's an Italian-American uh, comedian. Very funny. He's very, very funny. So, so those are those are the those are the people. Yeah. And, and oh my god! Uh, you see, that's so weird that you say you you. I and I love you for your honesty, saying that there's not a lot you laugh at. I no. think of you as uh, I jolly remember, laughter boy. Yes, because and I remember you going when you were going out with one of your um, uh, well-known exes, and I'm, I'm not talking about that because I get I when I was doing all my research, even though I've known you for a long time, I just got fed up with reading about oh he went out with this one. Go away. I don't right. care. Right. No, but I don't right. care. That's yeah. not what makes you who you are. But but you were going out with one of your exes and somebody fell off. Did you have a motor? Would you have a motorbike? I have had a couple of motorbikes, yeah. Yes. Right. You were on a motorbike and somebody fell off the, the back of the motorbike. Where the hell was it? 
And I can, I, it doesn't matter who it was, but it was one of your ex-girlfriends. And she fell off the back of the motorbike and I was pissing myself laughing. And then you were laughing at me laughing and they got really angry. They yeah. got really angry with me for laughing and really angry with you for laughing. I yeah. have no idea where it was, but I, that's what I remember. That's how I think of you as giggling. Oh God, I wish. No, I wish. I think the, no, not really. No. I mean, you know, that's life. I, I mean, the my daughters make me laugh. My daughters make me laugh. Good. But other than that, it can be, it's tough, isn't it? Life yeah, on life's yeah. terms. It's, you know, and you see, I I was very lucky that I never, I never tried cocaine. And if I'd, if I tried cocaine, um, I'd probably be dead now. Um, but I did get into drinking, you know, hugely. And um, I, I do marry a lot of a lot of times of fun and laughter uh, to the drinking days, um, and not 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 the, the terrible nuances that used to occur through drinking. But and when that stopped, you like I said to you, you know, you can't self medicate or take the edge off if you like, or you've got to sit in what's going on in your head. And we're quite complicated beings, and I certainly am. Um, and it's. It's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Because it's those things that make you good at what you do, if you like. Um, those those idiosyncrasies that are quite difficult and, and the struggles that you may have or whatever it, mentally, they're the things that also light the fire for the work and the creative juices. So, But yeah, I don't laugh that much. I mean, I, I actually I was sat here two days ago with my dad going, I'm actually just going to walk around with a smile on my face like this. Maybe that'll send the brain cells i said because i don't laugh as much as i used to when i was younger it's awful do you know it does work i i tell everybody to do it i've tried it myself and i've gone through horrible you know we, like we say we both lost our, our mums very young and yeah. but if you yeah. force a smile on your face first thing in the morning i promise you this works and max you can you can message me in two weeks and tell me if it doesn't okay but if you wait the very 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 first thing you do in the morning if you force a smile on your face before you think your body and your brain is then tricked into you feel better. And it is extraordinary what it does. It's, you know, like people do the gratitude thing first thing in the morning and all the rest of it. But if you smile mm. first thing in the morning, instantly it lifts your mood. So I hope it, I hope it can help. Oh, I've been doing it for the last 25 seconds. I feel amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you are a gent. You are a joy and a gent. And it, uh, thank you. So lovely to speak to you. So lovely. You're a good lad. Um, send send um, everyone who who should be sent love. Send them my love. And thank you for doing this. And we'll see you very soon, my darling. Okay, darling. Lots of love. Loads of love. Thank you so much for listening. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.